and then only we'll see it actually occur in our lives, something that's supposed to come, be accepted, so calmly predictive programming. All information is put out by the big boys in such a fashion. And nowhere else has been done on such a scale as science fiction. If you want to know the future, just look at the sci-fi movies. They give you a good idea. They always have. And it isn't that certain writers have fantastic imaginations. It's because they're chosen to be let in on what the future is going to be. And their job is to write books. Make them very fascinating for youngsters who get the idea embedded in their heads and they will see it manifested, the real thing manifested in the life and they'll think it's all quite natural. Be back with more after the following messages. Right when he said that all wealth comes from the people, the labor. 
because money is just a con game to take that labor from you and then use it to get others to do more labor, making weapons and stuff like that, things to imprison you, to create this whole planet into some kind of big, fancy new 2001 21st century prison camp. And it's been done pretty successfully. They've been putting up satellites with our tax money for donkey's years. Now, a donkey's years is a long, long time. And they've also been putting up satellites to eventually control you. All the gizmos and gadgetry you're hearing about now that will do with controlling you through ID cards or chips and so on, they've already put the satellites up there years ago to do this very task because they had all this stuff ready to go years ago. It takes time to condition the sheep to allow themselves to be branded. And that's what we're getting right now, is the build-up to a gradual, 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 until everything seems quite natural when it's actually done to you. It's like after the 2001 9-11 planned catastrophe, every media on the planet went into action asking the man in the street and the woman in the street, would you give up your freedom for security? They all did it on cue at the same time, non-stop. Would you give up your freedom for security? Then, of course, they always take the ones that answer in the affirmative and show those ones and give you statistics from those ones, and they cancel out the ones. You'll never see them on television that say, no, I wouldn't. That's how you give statistics to the people. It's a con game of perceptions by simply eliminating the ones that you don't want the public to hear about. And polls are very, very good at that. That's why they were invented. Statistics and polls can convince the public of anything. Part of the problem is the herd instinct. And people like to actually go with the winners. What they think of the winners, the winners are always the collective the collective must be right and want to join them. So statistics are meant to fool those types of personalities to go along with a certain opinion that's been promoted. They don't want to be left out. You might be odd. Maybe something wrong with you. Years ago, too, back in the, it was actually late 60s, early 70s, they were talking about helmets that pilots could wear, they could Basically, they shift the direction of the aircraft, it would guide it with blinks of the eye or turns of the eye and so on. And I'm sure they were much further ahead than just that. I'm sure they already had the electromagnetic imagery uh, and, and pulsation they could use, and it's coming out now for the Internet gradually. I'm sure they had it back in the late 60s, in fact, at very high levels of government testing. I say government cautiously because we realize there's another government above the one that you think you elect. And they run the show, and they have been doing it since the beginning of the Cold War. Really, they've been doing it since more openly, if you read their books, from World War II onwards. Then in the 70s, a, a movie came out. I think it was called Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder, about an advanced combat-type helicopter that was fitted with all the gadgetry that could see through walls, and, and it was deployed in cities like New York. And it was about the moral consequences of this and how, how they could uh, invade everyone's privacy. 
And the movie was even asking, they'll get the public to ask, why would they need such a thing? It's all to do with martial law back in the 70s, Blue Thunder. And lo and behold, it's all here. We have them going over cities at night, they admit that. They're scanning homes, and they've got all these various devices they can see through walls, etc., etc. What a, a wonderful world for the shepherds, you know, the good shepherds, the ones who own the world, the ones who walk on the red carpets and have functions and wear purple, all symbols of the sun. That's what it's all about, you see, ancient societies that run this world. And the royal purple is the color you'll see basically at the twilight. The purple comes to rule the day. But it also changes throughout the day. And where else would the sun, how could it follow, what else could it follow except the red carpet as it goes round and down for the night's. Then, of course, this legal system dressed in black uh, take over and mix with the profane, as they call them, down below in the darkness. All symbolic of an ancient, ancient society. And getting back to monitoring the people, making their job easier. The BBC has put a, out a, a little talk there about the BBC News, and this is Wednesday the 20th, of February 2008. And it's about a helmet now for your gamers. Now, it's interesting that recently Microsoft had one department working on a helmet that was to do just this very thing I'm going to read, but they also admitted they had another one working on, some, on, on a, a computer that they wouldn't need a helmet to use because somehow the screen around the screen, around the frame of the screen, it would send out an electric field around the user and it would scan your brave wave patterns. So here's this one from the 20th of February 2008, BBC News. And it says, Brain Control Headset for Gamers by Darren Waters, technology editor, BBC News website, San Francisco. Brainwaves controlling a video game that shows you a, a, one of these touch things and women wearing a helmet. Gamers will soon be able to interact with the virtual world using their thoughts and emotions alone. A neuro headset which interprets the interaction of neurons in the brain will go on sale later this year. It picks up electrical activity from the brain and sends wireless signals to a computer, said Tan Lee president of U.S. Australian firm Emotive. Emotive, inter interesting name for, from the word emotion. It allows the user to manipulate a game or virtual environment naturally and intuitively, she added. The brain is made up of about 100 billion nerve cells or neurons which emit an electrical impulse when interacting. The headset implements a technology known as non-invasive electrocephalography. EEG to read the neural activity. Ms. Lee said, Emotive is a neuroengineering company and we've created a brain-computer interface that reads electrical impulses in the brain and translates them into commands that a video game can accept and control the game dynamically. See how the headset works. Headsets which read, read neural activity are not new. But Ms. Lee said, the epoch 
was the first consumer device that can be used for gaming. It's not new at all, as I say. They had it years ago in the military. This is the first headset that doesn't require a large net of electrodes for a technician to calibrate or operate it and does require gel on the scalp, she said. It also doesn't cost tens of thousands of dollars. The use of electrocephalography in medicine practice dates back to almost 100 years, but it's only since the 1970s that the procedure has been used to explore brain-computer interfaces. We can thank uh, the government of Sweden for doing the testing on the prisoners. That's how they brought it in. The Epoch technology can be used to give authentic facial expressions to avatars of gamers in virtual worlds. And I'll read some of the rest of this particular blurb after the following messages. Then if you create the same 
feelings in different parts of the brain, you'll bring on the exact same response as though something was there and going to terrify you, but nothing really is there. Now, that's the other way of coming around that. Take the signs and symptoms, create the symptoms, and you'll have all of the symptoms of fight or flight. So they can read your waves, they can also put it back into your mind. And where else would they bring it in but through gaming for the children who are going to grow up and come into the next phase where they're not only con uh, really having their minds read, they'll have their minds totally controlled. And it'll seem all quite natural. And mummy and daddy will say, I'll let Johnny play with his new toy. And that's how it works. Very simple. The last people to know or think really are the parents. They want peace and they don't want to be involved uh, with their children's mental health. That's for the authorities to deal with, so many of them think today. Now we'll go to the callers. There's Dan from Tennessee who's been with me there, Dan. Yes, I'm here. Yep, go ahead. Um, I've read a couple of your books and I've listened to probably all your shows uh, for the last couple of years. I've really enjoyed it. I was wanting to ask about a Carlos Castaneda, I had a friend that ended up committing suicide after getting deep, pretty deeply into his books, and he was institutionalized in a Dayton mental institution and then later committed suicide. And I was just wondering if you know anything about Castaneda. Yeah, well, all of these books were taken along a certain format. There was many authors out there who were taking uh, basically what used to be forms of shamanism and esoteric schools that flourished in the 1700s and 1800s, uh, they came out with, um, the, with heavily borrowing from Hindu uh, philosophy and wrapping it into a new movement. And Castaneda and others were simply rehashing the stuff that was printed back then. I know authors today who are coming out with the stuff as though it's brand new, but it's the same old stuff. They're just copying and recycling over again. It's easy money, and it's, a good, it's good work if you can get it or if you want to do it. And uh, it can certainly uh, put you into a mind-bending experience. There's different ways to create mind-altering experiences uh, basic hypnosis is one, self-hypnosis is another, induced hypnosis by other means as well, by even putting out formats of types of meditations and so on, and the person will actually help to bring it on themselves. And they, they cannot tell fact from fiction. They can't tell uh, entertainment from fiction and fact anymore. Um, it's all mixed together, and unfortunately lots of people... Uh, go into the deep end of this kind of stuff. They, they want power. Most folk who are attracted into this want personal power over other people or nature or their environment. That's generally what it's about. And they hope to, to be able to develop powers. Most folk can't develop powers because, um, because of the fact that they do go in to get power itself. That's their main object. And it just simply doesn't happen for them and it tends to de destroy them eventually. And uh, your friend isn't the only one that's fallen for this, uh, and it won't be the last, because yeah. they've got plenty of modern disguised ones out there too, uh, even amongst the supposed um, patriot movement, the, the, the conspiracy sites, who are also doing the same thing to lots of people as well. Thank I'll you a lot. I'll be back with more after these messages.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so this is what it's about. Yeah, they will release the plague. That's the best way to bring down the population, to get fear and panic like has never been seen before. And well, then the articles, find it, yeah, the you'll, articles find the public will, yeah, yeah, the public will go all along with this, and they will um, do what they're told for safety. And you're going to see massive migrations of people being moved into where they want them to, to go eventually. That's part of it. A full war, war scare scenario is part of this agenda. Yeah, they're talking large quarantines, and people will be at the hospitals waiting with masks on to, to help you and uh, that sort of thing. And at the end of the article, it's kind of funny because they're kind of promoting the flu shot as some sort of um, preventative. Yeah, it's just to get you trained and trained and trained step by step to take all the inoculations they give you if something does, or at least they claim something has broken out. And I've no doubt that whatever they give you, which is all based on faith, even the guy giving you the shot won't know what's in that. He'll believe it's what it says it is. But I think you'll come down quickly with something if you take the shot, to be honest. Have you uh, heard of uh, David Ayub? David who? David Ayub. He's doing um, talks on mercury and autism. Oh, yes. Uh Uh, Very interesting. And he was listing some of the agents that would hold mercury in your system. And it was quite interesting to me because he mentioned aluminum. And I started thinking, well, Jesus, they're spraying us with aluminum oxides in the chemtrails, you know, and promoting the flu shots. and. It could hold that mercury in everybody's system a lot longer. He was saying the mercury or aluminum levels have gone up um, super high since year 2000 in our yeah, water, yeah. In the soil, everything. It, it is. It's, it's everywhere. And in the 70s, the British medical journal, The Lancet, uh, came out with uh, the first main exposures on aluminum in the brain. And they claimed then, they knew back then, that that's what was bringing on the Alzheimer's in people. Right. So you're quite right. It's, it's highly toxic. And it's quite a coincidence. Eli uh, Lilly, the pharmaceutical company there, is, is in charge of both the uh, all the flu shots and everything, and then they're handing out the uh, the medication for ADD and ADS and autism. Well, they always benefit off the sheep, remember, uh, these boys. They're the good shepherds, and they own the money system and they own the pharmaceutical system. And they pretty well lobby the government to get what they want. So you always make profit off of the sheep, and you make profit off their misery too. Right. Uh, the whole, there's no conscience here. This is all to do with massive profit and controlling the people, and that's the bottom line. Um, we're dealing here with monsters of, and psychopaths who are inbred. And yeah, Lily, Lily has been. Lily has been responsible for a lot of this kind of stuff in the past to do with various drugs that were highly addictive. Mm-hmm. They were pushed for donkeys years, again, a long, long time. And uh, and they had all the doctors trained that everything was in the, the patient's head. Meanwhile, hospital staff were seeing people coming in and having convulsions with minor tranquilizers and all the rest of it. It was anything but in their head. These were physical responses to, to addictive, physical addiction to particular mm-hmm. drugs and so on. But Lily is a pretty rotten flower, and <laughs> these guys don't mean very... It stinks too, you know. Yeah. Not, not nice perfume comes off these characters. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the time now on, on, on the phone and um, just keep up the good work. And I'm trying to spread the word, and I wish everybody would wake up and uh, smell the agenda. Yeah, thanks for calling. Okay. Now, um, is, is uh, Rick in California there? Yeah, so hi, Alan. 
How are you doing? Oh, good. How are you doing? I'm doing a lot. I'm doing better than I was the other day. Yeah, I'm keeping up with the ice. Got icicles two feet long outside there. Oh, we're getting a lot of rain, which we need in California because it's been dry here. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to bring up something. Um, you know, when I was, you were talking about obedience to authority, and when I was a child, um, uh, my junior high school teacher uh, had us watch a movie about a high school teacher who did an experiment, a history teacher who did an experiment in his high school um, called The Wave. Have you heard of that? Yeah. And um, you can download it on the Internet. I saw it last night again for the first time in, in 30-something years or 20-something years. And, and it's really um, it's interesting what they did with these children. They, they you know, taught them strength through discipline and, and got them, gave them membership cards and, and uh, you know, taught them to spy on each other. And then at the very end when he said it was going to be, they were going to go to an auditorium to hear a, a speech by a political leader. And then he, and, there, and then one guy says, there is no leader, is there? And, this is your leader, and he shows them Adolf Hitler, and they all start crying. And mm-hmm. you know, and he, he he told them, you know, most of them, only two people stood up, and yep. were individuals. Everybody else just went along with the herd. And yeah, yeah, that that's right. Uh, in fact, I've got a study I might read tomorrow on adults in the same scenario uh, to do with evacuating uh, shopping malls. It's an experiment. Mm. The, the two the two people who were to lead them out didn't even communicate to each other. Both did the same thing with leading all these adults around in circles forever. Not not one complained, uh, but the leaders did tell them there was a shorter route, and not one single person, after half an hour of wandering in circles, asked them what where the shorter route was. Only one person left the group of, of a few hundred. Wow! But you see, people are the mass man. They don't think they've been conditioned to follow and obey, and most people truly are followers, unfortunately, and they'll follow the major lemming down to the sea. Also, I want to bring up. Um, I watched the the, the um, AC Wells' uh, "Things to Come" again last night. Yeah. And because um, I'd seen it um, about ten years ago, back then I didn't know enough. You know, I, thought, I, just, I just thought it was a cool science fiction movie for its time. I didn't know all the stuff about the New World Order and everything. And now, now it's cool to watch it with the new understanding that you've given me. And and it was also interesting to see the peace gas. You know, the chemtrail. That's right, gassing <laughs> the people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for peace. Yeah. <laughs> And I just want to say this new new film, Jericho, is being put out in this new TV series about it's almost the same plot line pretty much as uh, as that as things to come. Yeah. yeah there's, there's war, and then there's chaos, and then there's a plague, and then this new government comes in to, to fix everything up, but they're really the bad government and stuff. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to, to, to mention those things. Okay, thanks for calling. You're welcome, Alan. Now, there's Keith from Texas. Are you there, Keith? Hello, Keith. Okay, Jack from the UK, are you there? Uh, hello. Hello. Hi. Um, it's good to speak to you again. <clears throat> Sorry, a bit of a lump in before that. Uh, yeah. Um, last week, right, I, I met this teenage girl who'd had one of those chips put in her arms which stops her getting pregnant. Mm. And when she told me what it was, that she'd been scratching through her sleeve for all that time, yeah. I, I was hit by, like, I don't know, I was hit from about a million different angles with loads of different emotions. I was just wondering if you could talk about these strange moments that happen when all the things you've been worrying about in, in your mind and all the agendas kind of hit, hit you at once because of a moment that happens in, in your yeah. life. Yeah. There's surrealistic moments, that's what it is, where you actually come into the, the physical reality of not just knowing about what what is to come, but experiencing it through people. 
who have already fallen for part of it themselves quite willingly. Yeah, that was exactly <laughs> and, uh, what it was. And uh, your world sort of kind of stops in it for a split second as everything in your brain just goes around in a circle and then comes together like a gestalt-type experience. I did look and, that, up, that word up, by the way. Cheers for that. Yeah, and it really does make you stop and, and look again and see how it's, it's the fear because you start to realize that the, the majority of the public will, will go for everything that's pushed to them. Yeah. Uh, it's like cheese to mice. <clears throat> they, they just want to go for it, and you, and you can't stop them. It would seem to be. I mean, she was 17, 17 years old, got one of ah. these things yeah. in her arm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's like you said, people will sell their souls for convenience. Yes, they will. That seems to be what it is. But there was so much going on. I mean, there was the brain chip, of course, that was in, in, in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. The side effects of the chip, which I had to go and look at that night just to get, yeah. get the worry out, out of my mind, really. Mm -hmm. But it, it was like I, I was in the middle of a storm, really. I, it I know. So it, it, it truly is. It's, it's, like, it's like coming out of a dream, and it's yeah. still in your, in your mind when you wake up. And no one noticed. I was in a room of, I don't know, six people, seven people, and yeah. none of them noticed. And then after about five minutes, they're like, Jack, what's wrong? Yeah. I was like, no, I'm not sure <laughs> how long it would take to explain to you what just happened. And I wonder what their reaction would be. They'd probably think it was all quite natural. Um, there was a couple of them which got an idea of what I was saying to them, but it was hard work, mm -hmm. you know, to explain what this meant. Yes. It was mainly the Pavlovian side of it which was bothering me the most. The side effects that that, that that young woman may have to go through were, were bad enough. A few yeah, days later, I was speaking to a good friend who was explaining to me that one of his friends had been on one of these, one of the more primitive prototypes, I guess, of the contraceptive implant. Um, she was on it for three years, got it taken out, and has been trying for a year and a half to have a child with no success. Yeah. Yeah, these things, uh, all, the, you know, all of the substitutes that have ever given women that have been heavily targeted towards the female yeah. uh, have altered uh, uh, certain uh, chemical responses in their body uh, because they're beginning them synthetics too. Now, synthetics, remember, is not the real thing. It's synthetic. Yeah. And it's meant to fool different parts of, of uh, uh, your glands to, to uh, this is the real thing, but it's not. It also affects other things which you, sh which you sh normally shouldn't. Yeah, and and your body can t take many years to try to work. It your body can't just kick in itself when you come off a particular substitute. It will close down if it thinks there's a real substitute there in your body. It'll stop producing its own. And when that, that is cut off, uh, it, it doesn't kick in and start secreting right away its own hormones, and it might never kick back in and yeah. secrete its own hormones. And the worst thing, to me, the worst thing about this, the, the very people and institutions that did this to them are exactly the same people they look to for test tube babies and all the rest of it. Of course. It's hard. Oh, right. yeah, I, I just read a letter from a woman in Hollywood who works in Hollywood and knows all the, the stars and so on, and she was talking to one friend, uh, going, she was going for a walk with her and just mentioned the, the brain chip and, and so on. And this other woman who's up there as well said if, if she could uh, be able to speak foreign languages and do a couple of other things and, and do ballroom dancing, she'd take it willingly. It's that thing about convenience again, isn't it? It would sell anything. You, you, you won't be able to stop the general public, unfortunately. They will, they will go for anything uh, that promises them um, convenience and happiness. They, they will run for it. 
Yeah. And ultimately they'll get their wish because when they have no mind of their own, they'll be unable to be unhappy. So I suppose with a heavy heart, we just have to let them go and get on with their own lives, I suppose. You, you have to, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much, Alan, and all the best. Thanks for calling. Now we've got Maggie in Texas. Are you there, Maggie? Uh, yes, good evening, Alan. Um, about two or three calls ago, the caller mentioned a man who does research on autism uh, regarding mercury and aluminum. The first name was David, but I didn't catch the last name or the spelling of it. Can, can you give me that? Because I've never heard of this person, and I've done a yeah. lot of reading in autism. He said Iyuki. How do you spell that? Do you know? I'm, e not, I'm not sure myself. Iyuki. Iyuki, it sounds Japanese, maybe, but... It, it could be if it's out British Columbia way. And, oh, uh, oh, is it? Okay. What I'll do, though, is have him send me uh, um, uh, the guy's name and maybe a link. I'm sure he's got a website. Okay, yeah. Out, yeah. Yeah, I'm very interested in that because that's one person I've never heard of, and I, I do a lot of a lot of reading on the subject. So. Yeah, it's a tremendous... Uh, it, we're getting poisoned like crazy. It's, it's scary. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes, I know. I have uh, little autistic <clears throat> nephews, and yeah. uh, it just bothers me. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a huge X over my hometown today in the sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've got it all over here too, from from this morning right through the day, mm -hmm. in all different directions. Yeah, yeah. I've just got back from a little uh, trip eastward through several states: Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and it's a little different in each state, but it was extensive in all of them. Yes. Yeah, I get lots of long-distance truck drivers calling me, mm -hmm. and they see it as they go from city to city. Yeah. Lots of reports. It's all over the place. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, thanks for calling. Well, keep up the good work, Ellen. Okay. I'll be back with more after these messages. the man has collected 
I'll sell them to you at $35 each. When the man returns from the city, you can sell them to him for $50 each. The villagers rounded up with all their savings and bought all the monkeys. Then they never saw the man nor his assistant again. Only monkeys everywhere. Now you know how the stock market works. I think that was well put. And that's what it is. It's just a big con game for the big players. Lead the way. Everyone else watches them through the media, the newspapers, and bets on it. It's a big casino, you see. And thinking that if the winners are in on this, then it must be a winner, a winner for them too. And you lose their shirts. The, the cleanup. I keep telling people to read the Robert Barron's excellent book on how the big boys that run the banks, especially in the United States, got to where they are. With all the scams they pulled in the 1800s into the 1900s and how they used taxpayers' money and investors' money and often had governments giving them their, their investments, in fact, and how they crashed the banks, even in the late 1800s, before the Depression of the 1920s. They'd already done that three times in the 1800s with the public, scammed them all out of their pensions and their savings and all the rest of it, and they got off with it. They got off with it because what they were doing was not illegal. There was nothing written in the books to stop them from doing it. And there's never been anything written into the books to stop them from doing it. George Soros even did that in Britain in the late 80s, early 90s. And he published a half page in a British newspaper admitting that he phoned up two of his buddies and how they crashed the British economy and profited with millions and millions of pounds from the losses of the public and the British government had to come back to the banks to ask for more money to get them afloat again. That's how arrogant these psychopaths are. And of course, Soros is now like Bill Gates. They're all wonderful philanthropists, you know, doing charity work and funding NGOs that speak on their behalf and demand laws get passed upon you. Well, from Hamish and myself, up in a icy Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.